am I Reister or am I wrong? As usual, with my main man, Ralph Amsden. Um, lot going on today. I am terrified for our future. Utah, a Utah school, they are they were allowing parents to opt out of Black History Month curriculum. Absolutely terrifying. Is Tom Brady the GOAT, the greatest athlete in all of sports? Absolutely not. Tesla buys one and a half billion dollars in Bitcoin. Is crypto the currency of the future? Did Britt Reed, Kansas City outside linebackers coach, getting in trouble? Did it cause the Kansas City Chiefs to lose? Social media highlights. We got the Pittsburgh player, his press conference, the wrong black guy, and the one-inch punch. And these gender reveal parties with pyrotechnics or anything hazardous need to be banned and punished by law for stupidity. Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles are the offensive and defensive coordinators for the Bucks. One of them better be the next head coach if Bruce Arian retires. Calvin Johnson deserved to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but not on the first ballot. And Nolan Arenado makes the Rockies look trade look stupid. And Trevor Bauer's apology was not necessary. Am I right, sir, or am I wrong? Is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth? Absolute fire, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Facts only. Make sure you check your feelings at the door because no BS is allowed. We keep it 100. Make sure that you leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, thumbs up, like it. But most importantly, share with a friend. Tell a friend about it. And you can listen to us as well on the Pac-12 Apostles podcast and me on Fox Sports Radio Sundays 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific and Monday through Friday on Mad Dog Sports Radio 10 p.m. Pacific 1 a.m. Eastern time. Yeah, and make sure to share. So, Ralph, with all that said, <laughs> here we go. Um, so we read an article about a Utah charter school that was no that was going to allow parents to opt out of Black History Month curriculum. And but then they drew some backlash and then it changed things. What did you think about that? I thought the uh, the backlash was overkill a little bit. I mean, this is an individual. They they the backlash was to the point in which it was like all of Utah public schools were doing something like this. But it was from what I can tell it was one charter or charter network in Utah and people have to understand that that's the way that these charter schools work. I used to be a charter school uh, junior high and high school English teacher at a relatively conservative charter school. A lot of these charter schools, especially in uh, lighter pigment neighborhoods, start um, for one of two or three reasons. The primary reason, and everybody will tell you that it's choice in education, but the primary uh, reason is because people don't necessarily trust the federal government with what um, the educational curriculum is going to be. So they would like um, smaller class sizes, they would like to not be bogged down by the, uh, um, the, the, the governmental side of, of schooling. 
And a lot of them, a lot of these charter schools actually meet in churches in which elders or the pastoral staff are actually the charter holders. So they actually make a profit off of, of these schools. And so a lot of people who go to a church will also go to the charter school, the public charter school that meets in that same building. I know that's how it was uh, at, at the school that I worked at. And those people were all, all well and good. But um, there were definitely issues that I would run into with parents from time to time where they'd let me know, like, hey, I sent my kid here so they wouldn't be in situations like this. Like, I remember I taught The Hobbit. And I had one parent come in and tell me, like, hey, you know, my kid goes to church here. Um, in this building, I don't want my kid coming to school here and reading about witches and um, wizards and stuff like that. And I was like, all right, well, you might want to go look up who J.R.R. Tolkien was. And, and you know, this whole thing is a Christian allegory. So you, you, we're good here. But like at the same time, this is still a public charter. We still accept public funds. I'm not going to teach your kid religion. I'm going to teach them age appropriate literature. And so you run into a lot of situations like that out here in Arizona, there's an entire charter network that is actually owned by the uh, members of the Latter-day Saint church and members of Latter-day Saint church are really encouraged, especially in peer groups to send their kids there. Um, they're called the American leadership academies and they are, they're just stocked full of mostly LDS kids. And I imagine that Utah has probably really followed suit with a lot of charter schools that are sort of like that. Um, and again, in these charter schools, because the purpose of them was to sort of free uh, themselves up from being told what to teach and when you're going to have stuff like this. Well, um, yeah, but the, is it the fact that, okay, the idea that we are going to send our kids to school and then try to control the curriculum. Isn't that like propaganda? I mean, that's that's like state-sponsored stuff. And the whole point is, is that American history has been whitewashed to begin with. Like, they don't tell the truth. They act like Thanksgiving was 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 freaking a, a, a cool event between Native Americans and the, the pilgrims. They act like, you know, slavery was just a blip on the radar. That they, they don't tell the actual whole story. They just glance over it to make the forefathers look like these great human beings. When and and but then people will tell you, oh well, it was it was the times. These things were allowed at the time, so so you can't be that mad at them. And I'm like, yes, it was still wrong. They knew it, they had a heart, they had a conscience. Yes, there were some things that were socially acceptable at the time, but George Washington had slaves. His family had slaves. Like, let's not act like everything was just peachy keen <clears throat> and that after Abraham Lincoln with the Emancipation Proclamation, all of that, that that reparations weren't then paid to slave owners to make them whole, but not the slaves. It's it's craziness to to me to think that parents would sit there and opt out. Well, actually, I get that people would be able to want to opt out. But the fact that the school would allow it. And here is the quote from the uh, the, the person in charge of the school who's a Japanese American. He says, we regret that we received that we were after receiving requests, an opt-out form was sent out concerning activities uh, planned during the month-long celebration. Because here's the truth. 
Teaching black history should not even be necessary. It shouldn't. You should not need to an entire month to teach just black history. You know why? Because black history is American history. So the idea that you need a special teaching for it seems insane to me. Makes no sense. Tom Brady, well, the question has been asked and posed the last couple days. And so Tom Brady and the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl yesterday. They beat up on the Kansas City Chiefs, who had looked unbeatable. Held them to three freaking field goals. And now everybody's coming out. Tom Brady is the greatest athlete in sports history. Nobody's ever been better than Tom Brady. It's impossible. He's the greatest athlete amongst all the greatest athletes in all of sports. Like, stop. Stop. Slow the hell down. I am a, I'm a big Tom Brady fan. I believe in his talent. I believe how good the dude is. Like, there's no denying his greatness. No denying. He's got seven Super Bowls, uh, multiple MVPs, most, what, touchdown passes, yards, all, all of, he's got pretty much all the records. The problem that I have with it is that there's no nuance in how people talk about Tom Brady. Yes, it's fantastic that he's 43 years old. He's still playing at a high level when other people are not. But there is a big difference in playing quarterback at 43 years old and playing lineman at 43 years old uh, or playing um, any other position at 43 years old. 100% different. I mean, look, he doesn't have to play defense, doesn't have to be physical with anybody. So, yes, he's the the greatest winner of all time. But is he the greatest athlete? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You have Serena Williams, won 24 majors, absolutely dominant, has crushed the field for decades. Tom Brady didn't win a Super Bowl for like eight years. You have Tiger Woods. Demolished the field, changed the world in terms of golf being multicultural. You have Michael Jordan, six championships, six tries, no losses. James Defying Gravity, still the best player in the NBA, 18 years. And we're going to say that Tom Brady is the greatest athlete of all time. We need to slow the hell down, dude. This is absolutely outrageous and it's nonsense for us to be talking about Tom Brady as the greatest athlete of all time. I'm not buying it and I don't want to hear it at all. Um, We got Ralph back in now. Um, Ralph, I said Tom Brady has no business being the called the best athlete in sports under uh, in sports history. No way, no how. I don't think it's realistic. I think it's silly. What do you think? I strongly disagree with you because the entire argument for best athlete is based on connotations. So you have to determine what the connotation of best is before you can even discuss this whole thing. Is it most successful? Because then I would submit to you that there's definitely an argument that he's the most successful athlete of all time. 
I saw people talking about Serena Williams earlier today in, in yes. that same context. And they're like, she has 23 Grand Slams. Well, how many Grand Slams do they play in a year, George? Four. Exactly. So if, if he had, if there were four Super Bowls every single year, do you think he'd only have seven? I don't know. But but what I do know is. So he would only win the ones that he won and, and none of the other. So he's been in 18% of all Super Bowls ever played. But we can't answer the question. Would he have more Super Bowls if there were an additional 150 available Super Bowls over the course of his career? Of course, he'd he'd have won a bunch more. You have to take it in context of. Uh, so you would have to, in order to even make that comparison, because first of all, it's individual sport over team. Even though Serena does play some doubles, so you, it's individual over team. You would have to take what Serena won in the context of uh, how many she's played overall in order to even have the discussion of what her success would be up against Tom Brady. So the first thing you you have to establish what is best athlete. Because if best athlete is most skilled athlete, then he doesn't belong in that conversation. If best athlete is most successful athlete in relation to um, their sport and the various time periods and the competition that they played at the time, then you absolutely have an argument. Ralph, no, absolutely not. Okay, okay look, here's the, here's the truth. Here's the cold, hard truth. I told everybody at first, but you were gone. Tom Brady's 43 years old. No 43-year-old has played at this level in the NFL in history. Same thing with LeBron James in the NBA. For his age, 18-year, all of that. The, The difference is, is that Tom Brady plays quarterback. He doesn't have to run, doesn't have to jump, doesn't have to do any of these things. Granted, it is a remarkable achievement, but you do have to keep it in context. It's not the same. It's not the same as what a a wide receiver and what Jerry Rice was able to do for so long because he still had to be more athletic than people, get open, break tackles, get hit, all this. And yeah, Tom Brady gets hit some, but not that much. I mean, he's done a great job of keeping his body healthy, Oh, I'm, I'm not trying to take any. Are those not hallmarks of what an athlete's job is? Not getting hit, taking care of your body. We would, you could assume that maybe he's he's amongst the best ever to do those two things. Yeah, which is put him in a position for you to call him an even worse athlete because of his two incredible athletic achievements of okay. keeping his body right and avoiding getting hit. So right. the better he is, the worse he is in your eyes. No, I'm not here to make the argument that he's. No, I'm here's, just, here's I'm just saying say. when you stack him up at the against the greatest athletes of all time, he does not stack up the same way. Like with like you can't compare him to Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps has dominated four Olympics over the course of 16 years. Are you kidding me? Uh, How is that different than winning seven Super Bowls over the course of 21, 22 years? Okay. Okay, if you playing look, in ten hold, Super Bowls. hold on, Phelps is the one that he can't even like get in the conversation with because all because Phelps won pretty much damn near every single race and every single gold medal that he was possibly eligible for. Period. Okay, and, and like he didn't miss, and and the physicality that it takes, the dominance. Like this is a team sport. So would you say yesterday the most dominant person on the field was Tom Brady or was it Tampa's defense? Now, now we've switched words. We're talking no, about a completely no, different word now. We're no, I'm just dominant. asking because if you're Tom the Brady, greatest, Tom Brady you're the most dominant. No, 
Absolutely not. Absolutely what? not. There's a lot of people that because you know how many Yankees fans call Derek Jeter the greatest Yankee? He's but when not. you talk about individual skill, they won't even put him in the top ten. He cause because he's not the greatest Yankee of all time. He's not the greatest player that's ever played for the Yankees either. This is just an issue of connotation. That's all it is. What is greatness? Is if greatness to you means success, then he's the most successful football player of all time. And if football is your priority over all other things, and you're not even going to hear an argument for anything else, then Tom Brady's probably going to be the greatest athlete. Well, it just depends on what lens you're looking at it through. Tom and so Brady. I'll tell is, you right now. Tom Brady was not even the best quarterback on the field yesterday in a game that was probably Pat Mahomes' worst game of his career. Thank you, and Patrick, Pat, Patrick Mahomes Pat looked Mahomes. unbelievable. Yet, like, he gave his heart and his soul. Nobody else showed up with him. And it just there showed if you are missing your two tackles as a quarterback, you don't have anything. Okay. But you can also look at a lot of the losses that Tom Brady led teams have experienced over the course. He he didn't he didn't just go into Super Bowls his entire career without having to face some adversity as well. So I don't know, man. I think the, the argument is definitely there to be made that if you believe greatness is based on success, I mean there are people okay, who are so, there are, so then Robert Ory is like the second most successful athlete of all time. I want to point out that Robert Ory had 109 playoff games, 109 career playoff games where he scored six points or less. So you can keep Big Shot Bob's name out of your mouth in the context of anything because his ass got carried to every bit of success he ever had in his uh, entire life. And if he ever, you if hate he him. ever, <laughs> if ever, oh, you're damn right I hate Robert Ory. And if you ever, ever, ever have Robert Ory in a situation where he did do something to contribute his team success they carried him to that place in the first place houston rockets he was good there he was the third best player on the team um but so i'm not you can't just tell me that champion he was not better he was not better than kenny smith all right he's not Here, better than and smith. here's the he's truth. not better than clyde he's not better than ellie he wasn't and better than vernon yes Maxwell. he was he was dude. even the third best player off the bench oh oh you're such a robert ori hater dude but but here's oh, the thing is is that Tom Brady, they'll say that he was, oh, he took this 7-9 and nine team to the Super Bowl. Unbelievable. Yeah, nuance and context again. The team was 7-9 and nine because Jameis Winston committed 40 turnovers. 4-0. He cut the turnovers down to a third of those. A third of the turnovers. Oh, voila. <laughs> and the most dominant defense won. Voila. It's a miracle. Like, get out of here, dude. I, I, can, you be, can, you, can you at least be honest about one really, really specific thing? What? This greatly enhances his career. Yes. He, winning one without Belichick. Oh, greatly yes. enhances his career. Yes. And I'm not hating on Tom. Like, I fooled with Tom. And Tom was not a dude that I liked in the beginning of his career. Partially because he knocked me out of the playoffs twice. I wasn't feeling him, all of that. But now, dude, there's. I like how he trolls people on social media. I like everything about what Tom Brady is doing at this point in time. But there This would be like Tim Duncan winning one in Memphis without Pop. That's yes. Our, I guess people said Kawhi won without Pop, but Kawhi, whatever. 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 But I, it, you're, you're right. You're right. I'm going to let you talk. My yeah. bad for interrupting. 
No, it's okay. I totally agree with you. Uh, I agree with you. It would be the same same thing. Um, I, I like that. I like that. Dunking without pop. All right. So n- next thing up is our social media highlights. Social media highlights from the week. And oh, side note, but before even that, I wanted to say that Byron Leftwich and Ty Bowles who were the offensive and defensive coordinators for the Bucks yesterday, pitched a freaking no-hitter, basically, for the Bucks. And one of them, because there's some chatter that Bruce Arians may retire, one of them better be the head coach. Now, on to the social media highlights, though. This one was same vein after the game. No, I don't think that this is racist. However, this also shows that people really don't know what they're doing in the media sometimes. Because this is Byron Leftwich, my former quarterback. That's my quarterback. Um, in a press conference after the game. Mind you, Byron Leftwich, Todd Bowles. I should have put up a picture of both of them. But no, all black people don't look alike. The problem is people of other races have trouble distinguishing how people from other races look. Here is the comment. Going into the game, what was your number one goal on the defensive side to, to shut Mahomes down, shut that high-powered offensive down? What was your guys' number one goal going into that game? We shut Pat Mahomes down. I think you got the wrong guy. <laughs> I had nothing to do with that. That was Todd. That was the <laughs> – from the all black guys look alike pile. Oof, that's extra negligent because I don't know if you've been part of one of these uh post game pressers. Yeah. Uh via Zoom because that looked like that's what what it was was via Zoom. Like the the sports information director is in the Zoom meeting with you. They tell you who's coming up next. Typically there's like print at the bottom of the screen and they'll be yep. like, "All right, who has questions for Byron Leftwich?" So, I'm not sure <laughs> what the hell happened there? Like, could, could it be, uh, uh, what you said? Yes. Um, (laughs) I mean, could, could it be someone who watched the game from home and had a few, um, and then was just like critically underprepared for what they were doing. That's also possible. I can't, I don't have an explanation for that. I mean, the default is going to usually go to like, all right, well, we've seen this happen quite a few times. Um, but, you know, I've been in these situations where I've really, really messed up in a, in a post-game presser or out at a practice. I asked a defensive line coach, Jackie Ship one time uh, what it was like to be part of the 1985 Oklahoma Sooners National Championship. Um, and he was like, you tell me I got there in 1986. And so, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> See, like, well, at I, least it was the same school, dude. You just had the years wrong. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's not like you asked, you know, Barry Switzer, what it was like to coach the Miami hurricanes to a, a national championship, <laughs> you know, or no, or, that, yeah. Or, or asking, you know, uh, or asking Bradley Bill a question directed for, you know, Russell Westbrook instead, the other way around. Dude, like these are two different people. One of them is younger. One of them is older. One, I mean, it's just 
a total difference. That's just negligence. Uh, on to the next piece of social media, though. Um, if anybody knows Ralph, Ralph knows he's a little bit squeamish about things. Well, not like squeamish in terms of not about blood and all that stuff. I, I don't know the answer to that. But he's he's a, a little prude when it comes to talking about issues of um, sex and <laughs> other things. So this press conference between a player, a basketball player from the Pitt Panthers probably is going to make Ralph turn beat red. Teams that, that we got too comfortable and relaxed with, they just busted in our mouth. And we just had to eat that up and take it, take it in, uh, take it on our chin and bounce back from. Hmm. I'm going to play that again. Just in case you missed it. Teams that, that we got too comfortable and relaxed with, they just busted in our mouth and we just had to eat that up and take it, take it in, uh, take it on our chin and bounce back from. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ralph. Go ahead. I'm going to let you start. Okay, um, so I'm going to tell a story. I'm going to tell a story just to get out of my own head on this. Uh, when I was, um, I used to work as an academic counselor, and we would have to call students um, on the phone. And, it, you know, it was just all day of headset on like I got now in a cubicle, calling students, checking on them to see how they're doing. And in order to pass the time, you know, me and the people in all the cubicles around me, I'd come in and we'd have like a word of the day or something like that. And the first person to use that word or phrase, really goofy phrase on the phone with a student would be able to move on to the next word. And, and if you could get through like all 10. And, uh, this felt like that. It felt like okay, no way in hell that he did this on his own. None. Okay, so I asked None. my fifteen this could not have been an accident. No I asked way. my fifteen year old son. I showed it to him. He was he was like, Dad, he absolutely did this on purpose. He did this was not an accident. He he was like, that was too much for it. To, one reference, but three, three references. No, he was no. He was he he was like he got put up to that. Or he thought it was funny, thought it was a joke. It was like his teammates are laughing in the locker room right now, Dad. I'm telling you. Did you see that, like, John Morant was making fun of him for it? He's like, no, it wasn't like that at all. Oh. I, mm -mm. No, I he's missed like, He's like, he's in the comments of the video trying to defend himself. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, now that makes me think that it may not have been on purpose. Because if you're going to do know. it, you got to know what's coming. Or maybe he just didn't think it was going to go viral. Oh, I think he knew what was uh, coming. <laughs> I see what you did right there. I see what you did right there. And Blood in my cheeks down. And by the I'm way, flushed. Ralph may be moving to Cumming, Georgia. I will not be. I will not be because I'll only be thinking of that press conference the entire time. Uh, I, okay. I could never live there. I could never live there. Ever. I, get, I just, oh, I couldn't. Face your, couldn't. Face your fears, Ralph. This, uh, this next thing, speaking of facing your fears from social media. Um, oh, and by the way, all these links will be in the description if you are listening on the podcast as opposed to watching on YouTube or on uh, Periscope or whatever. Here it is.
this dude, this ninja man, <laughs> he breaks a brick with a one-inch punch. No, no, no. Ralph, there's no way that's real. There's that cannot be real. He broke a like a three-inch brick. I mean, I know I with know a one-inch punch. I know that wasn't the most dense brick that you've ever seen, but it's a brick. But it didn't crack. It flew into the next dimension that's what, off screen. That's what I'm saying. That had to be photoshopped, photo video shopped, right? There's a bunch of TikTok of him doing similar stuff. Here's my question for you. How much to let him hit you in the jaw? How much money? What do you what there's not an amount of money, Ralph, that would make that okay. There's not an amount of money because if that's real, this dude's punch is so damn powerful. He might he I'm just trying to think of the bad things that could happen. He could Alex Smith leg my jaw. Like that's the thing is like I could end up dying because he punched me in the jaw. I could potentially never be able to talk again. He could break my esophagus, tear my vocal cords, all with that, all with that damn, I don't even know what you, that's like a mutant punch. He should be locked up with Professor X and the, the rest of the mutants from X-Men because that's not human. No way. I, I, it's too terrifying to believe that that could be real. Okay, finding out that you would be in a villain in the X-Men world completely aside, uh, that you think the X-Men should be in prison, that's another conversation for another day. Uh, that's that exploding heart like punch from from uh, the Uma Thurman movie. Yes, Kill Bill. Kill Bill, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's what that reminded me of. I tell you what, I might consider it. He would have saved me 3500 bucks. I wouldn't have had to have seven teeth pulled. He could have just done it himself. Okay, so I, how much would it cost I for him to take for you to take a punch from him in the jaw, in the chest, anywhere? I would definitely wouldn't let him punch me in the chest. He could kill me. Fifty k plus my deductible. <laughs> you could end up with more than fifty k in medical bills, dude. Yeah, but as long as he pays my deductible, we're good. <laughs> my insurance will cover the rest. But I also. I also don't know if my insurance will cover the rest because I just admitted on camera that I'm getting punched in the face for $50,000. I don't know if that's like insurance fraud or what or whatever. You know what? I could probably just take it. I bet I could take it. I bet I wouldn't need... Yeah, I'd be fine. Really? We talked about on the last episode, yeah, how big my head is. That Ralph, brick might be thick, but it's not like this thick. Ralph, you have lost your ever-loving mind. Uh, the The... The last thing, oh man, I forgot the video. <laughs> the, the last thing from social media um, was actually very entertaining because it was a which which game was it, Ralph? It was Rockets. Was it Rockets Spurs? <laughs> Rockets Spurs. <laughs> I'm repping the Rockets right now. Oh, speaking of that, why the hell do you have a Rockets? jersey on when you my friend are supposed to be a um a fan of the phoenix suns explain that two reasons one this shirt's like four years old so james harden uh 
two, it didn't have a tag on it at Old Navy, so I got it for 90 cents. I don't understand. Dude, I could get a, you could give me a $1,000 Washington Husky jacket for 90 cents. And do you know what the chance of me wearing it is? Zero, dude. I would I would give it away to somebody and act like I did them uh, like the, the biggest solid of all time. I would give it to like Lindsay Theory or somebody and have them owe me a big favor. There's not a snowball's chance in hell that I would wear that that thing. No way. So why do you have it on? Okay. Okay. Technical difficulties with with Ralph today. But, you know, such is life in the world that we live in. Um, What time is it? (sighs) 36 minutes in. So we have to document these things for the YouTube video and all of these things because it is hard putting it up live. Um, Okay. Next thing up. So we shall go on. The show shall continue. Is... Calvin Johnson. Oh, no, actually, uh, Tesla. Tesla bought one and a half billion dollars worth of Bitcoin. And they are going to start allowing people to use Bitcoin to buy Teslas. Very soon, you will be able to use whatever your Bitcoin stockpile is to be able to buy Teslas. And and Ralph, Ralph, I'll let them recap them on your Bitcoin story real quick while I get the video pulled up. Man, I didn't think about this for like nine years and now you have me telling it over and over again. So in 2008, 2009, uh, my grandma passed away and left me like $9,000. And I like I, I, I spent a thousand of it immediately. And then um, I had 8,000 left and was researching like uh, what would be a good way to invest it because I had a newborn, I had another kid on the way. Um, and I was like, all right, I'm an adult now. I got to start being responsible with money. And one of the things that I seriously considered was Bitcoin when it was eight cents a coin. Um, even had a long conversation with a friend about it. We ended up investing in oil, um, not oil stocks, natural gas stocks. And the natural gas company like went into business and their CEO went to prison. Uh, meanwhile, Bitcoin is trading at $43,000 a coin right now. So, um, you know, uh, basically I missed out on uh, billions with a B dollars. Billions. So, And that's my story. How many Teslas would you buy, right, if you knew, if you still had those Bitcoins now? Because you wouldn't have sold them all at once. If you still had some of the Bitcoins now, how many Teslas would you buy at one time? I don't know. I don't know if I would. I think I might uh, get a jetpack or something like that. I don't know if I'd actually uh, be participating in, uh, in, in the automobile economy. 
anymore because I'd be I'd be like that kind of rich. So um, I don't know. Tesla's interesting to me though. Like my one one of my best friends is is thinking about buying one right now, and another one of my friends just test drove one, and he said it was like being inside an iPhone, and and so um, I think he meant it in a <laughs> the the he, answer he, is he meant it in a good way. The answer is get one because we have one. The answer is get one. You like it? Love it. You oh like it? God, love it. One hundred percent. So my next car will not be not not be another. It'll either be a Tesla or I got my I got my eyes on that Hummer EV one, buddy. I was getting a Tesla till that Hummer EV one came out actually, and before that I was gonna get the Cybertruck, but you know if this, if this Dogecoin takes off, you know I I might just grab both of them. You never know. Okay, it looks straight out of Minecraft. Like it's got too many edges and not enough edges at the same time. So are you? Oh, okay, okay. So you missed out on the uh, the the Bitcoin and Bitcoin. There's there's okay. So Bitcoin is unique because it has a cap on the number of coins that are available in 21 yeah. million coins. There are 18 million coins already out. Coins are given out as well when people buy them and when um, and when people mine them, which is a whole different thing. You get a reward for mining and all that stuff. So here is the thing is that if you mine the coin, well, uh, is that eventually all the Bitcoins will be gone. So like you can't buy any more. So then they'll either be so expensive or the bottom will fall out. We will see which, which one. So did you get in on the Dogecoin, bro? When you and I talked about it at first, it was almost at eight cents. Mm -hmm. uh, and thought a little bit about it that night. Glad I didn't because it's been hovering around four or five ever since so th thinking about it now but the fact that there is no cap is the thing that's giving me pause is you could have so many people investing in this but what is actually the controlling mechanism that would cause the cost of the dogecoin to inflate if scarcity is not involved that's well, the part that i don't fully understand it feels a little bit that's what risky. happens that that's the reason why people like elon musk think it can be the currency of the future because that's the same thing that, that it is with the dollar. The dollar is no longer backed by freaking gold. Yeah, you're right. At least, yeah. at least uh, the, the 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 coins are backed by dollars. They're actually backed yeah. by cor currency. So Dogecoin is is very much like that scene in Hook. Yeah, with and, Robin and Williams. it's been trading in between six and a half and eight for thirty six hours now. That's good. It's at it's so, at eight two now. That's really good. Um, I, like I would say that, that it, the currency and the value of currency is a lot like that scene um, in Hook, where they're all sitting around the table with empty bowls, and all they need is Robin Williams to pretend the bowls are full, and the bowls are full. Like your imagination is what assigns value to currency, and once your imagination produces that reality. And that reality is replicated in the imagination of everybody else. All of a sudden, you have wampum, you you have barter, like you have uh, a paper or coin or fabricated internet currency that you can exchange for uh, for for goods and services. It's it's an absolute miracle that the United States of America was able to 
convince the colonists when they were trying to split from Britain that they could create a second currency. Technically, anybody could create a currency out of anything, yeah. and, they, and that's what happens all the time. That's why, uh, for some people, basketball cards are a currency. For some people, auto parts are a currency. I'm, I just, uh, you got me so hooked into gardening that I'm seeing all these like seed trading clubs, and I'm like, man, that's basically currency yep. for those people. So if you can get people to buy into the idea that Dogecoin is a legitimate way to buy and sell goods, then it's over. I mean, it could, it, it could blow up, but who's going to regulate it? Like uh, some, some of those things give me a whole lot of pause. Yeah. But that's the thing is, does it need regulation? Because that's part of the thing with the stocks is that there's so much regulation on it that the big billionaires that they control. So, so much of it, and that they can essentially shut down trading when people do something that makes them a little bit uncomfortable. Um, moving on, though, you had a topic <laughs> that was that I thought was interesting. So two things as we go back to social media, because you we lost you for a second, is this fight happened between the Rockets and the Spurs. Here it is. Here's the video of it. This is inside the Rockets arena. Uh, people fight like they're in the middle of a pandemic. They're social distancing, but these folks still find a way to have a melee in the in the hall. I mean, like this is What's your reaction to the fight? Well, I don't know if anybody's going to hear your commentary of the, of, of the fight because, I mean, at least in my headphones, the video was super, super loud. So to recap, there's people fighting, uh, Spurs fans and, and Rockets fans coming across the aisle, people eating punches. Uh, it looked like two adult males and two adult males on either side were, were the responsible parties um, in the melee. But you had the guys in Rockets jerseys and one guy in all white, like he was painting or prepping a house, uh, coming across the aisle to throw punches at these Spurs fans. Then you had what looked like a teenager who was trying to peacekeep, ate several punches without even flinching, uh, which was probably the most impressive. Yep. Okay. The last social media thing that we had up was gender reveal parties so we have seen time after time there's a link going to be in the description as well time after time that gender reveal parties have gone absolutely wrong they have turned into disasters turned into absolute disasters and this time we have a michigan man he got killed at a baby shower when the gender reveal cannon explodes. I, I, I cannot for the life of me understand why people keep doing this. 
in California last year, there was a gender reveal party that damn near burned down uh, like half of a forest here. It was a windy day. They decide that they're going to continue doing this gender reveal up against like dry wooded area. And they continue to do it. We have seen people get hurt, get injured. Here's the thing. Leave the pyrotechnics to the damn experts. Don't let your cousin, sister's best friend's brother try to do this. Like, just say we're having a boy. Think of something creative. But the idea that we're going to have stuff explode is stupid. It's stupid. And I'm, a, mind you, I'm a person who believes that, that people should be allowed to do whatever they want, live freely, not big government hovering over them. But at the same time, people clearly can't make good decisions for them and other people. They can't. So I struggle with the idea that we should be able to just do whatever. Yeah, if I want to own a rocket launcher, I should be able to own it. That's my Second Amendment right. Yeah, I can, but I'm not going to do anything stupid with a rocket launcher. I'm not shooting a rocket launcher unless I'm in the middle, unless it's somewhere where rocket launchers are supposed to be shot. The only damn time I'm shooting a rocket launcher. Um, yeah, so all these people with these gender r reveal parties, sometimes you get what you deserve. Um, and man, mind you, it might not have been even the person who is responsible for the rocket or the bomb, the gender bomb, whatever, but it's still terrible, dude. Absolutely terrible. Um, so here is the next thing up. So, uh, Calvin Johnson, who is one of the greatest quarter, uh, greatest wide receivers of all time. He was just voted into the hall of fame along with Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, uh, Drew Pearson, who was a legacy guy, Alan Fanica, Bill Nunn, John Lynch, and Tom Torres voted into hall of fame. Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson, there's no doubt, no, like, you can't even argue. Like, the, these dudes should be in the Hall of Fame first ballot, no problem. But the debate comes now with Calvin Johnson. Should he have been, the, the? I don't think the debate is should he be a Hall of Famer. I think the debate should be should he be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Especially when Torrey Holt should be in. You have... um uh, Heinz Ward kind of lingering around. Should Calvin Johnson be in? Only a nine-year career, 11,000 yards, didn't reach 100 touchdowns. He's clearly one of the most talented players of the individual, of the of his entire, of all of football eternity. But the question is, should he be in first ballot while other guys are waiting? And I say no. I say no. I mean, granted, this looks like a case of Kurt Warner and a case of Terrell Davis, where they didn't have extended careers, but they were so dominant in such a short period of time that they get into the Hall of Fame. So I'm not mad at that. I am in no way disparaging their greatness, in no way disparaging all the wonderful things that these dudes are. But my, my singular question is, okay, like, should you be in first ballot if you didn't have a long career? 
when there are other guys who, when there's a log jam at your position. And so for, because people will tell me, oh, and I watched Calvin Johnson play. He did things that we hadn't seen it. But the idea that you kept Terrell Owens out for like three, two or three votes and Calvin Johnson gets in first vote. Randy Moss got in first vote. He should have been. This seems weird to me. Mm. Seems absolutely weird to me. I mean, there are no playoff stats, no nothing. And granted, that's not all under his control, but it still is absolutely, uh, a, you know, a thing to think about. Uh, n- next thing up, Britt Reed, the Andy Reed's son, outside linebackers coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. He got in a car accident on Thursday before the game. And people are going to ask, did this cause a distraction for the Chiefs in winning the, the, the Super Bowl? For me, it's hard to talk about the Super Bowl in this way because I saw what happened in the game. Nothing about like Britt Reed could have been there. They still would not have been able to block Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul Vita Vea. They still would not have been able to block those dudes. Same outcome in the game, even if Britt Reed is there. But was it a distraction? Probably. Probably. I mean... What what more like and it's clear. It seems to be clear where this is trending. And it seems that because he admitted to having two or three drinks. He had taken um, Ritalin or whichever the ADH met. Oh, Adderall. He had taken Adderall. So he admitted to both of those things. And I remember when we first heard the story, they said, you know, five-year-old child injured. And I and I initially I forgot about Britt Reed's past, where he's had multiple DUI incidents. He's been to jail for raising a uh for waving a pistol when when he got in a road rage thing. Been to jail for that. So I didn't think about that. So when they said the five-year-old kid was hurt. I was thinking, all right, oh, man, that sucks. He was probably with his own kid. He got in a car accident. That's terrible. I was thinking about, like, how this case was even talked about from the beginning in terms of Brit. And when you heard about the five-year-old kid, it sounded like he was, that it was his kid initially. And then you find out that he had the drinks and had Adderall and all of this, and you're just like, this is trending in the wrong direction for him and also the little girl who is still not woken up right now because she has a brain injury. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, – I, I, I genuinely wasn't aware until this morning that it wasn't Andy Reid's grandchild that was hospitalized. I thought to myself, like, oh, what an enormous distraction for the Chiefs. Uh, one of the children of one of their assistant coaches um, is fighting for their life. And because they didn't really talk about it all that much during the game yesterday, uh, P.S., uh, I missed the entire first quarter of the game, by the way. Because uh, we're supposed to watch it. We're supposed to watch it as a family, and my 11-year-old went on a bike ride and just didn't come home. 
So I told my 12-year-old, I was like, hey, record the game. We're going to go get him. And my 12-year-old recorded NFL Network instead of CBS. So we started at Gronk's first touchdown. That was the first thing we saw. Wow. So I, but beyond that, I don't really feel like they, they mentioned it or talked about it this much. And so this morning, I was like, I'm going to go read about it on my own so that we're prepared for today's show. And I was like, oh, it's not his kid. It's somebody else's kid. He had had drinks. They've raised $330,000 dollars for this five-year-old who hasn't woken up yet and i'm thinking to myself like oh they weren't they weren't distracted like oh one of our assistant coaches it is fighting for their life it's oh one of our assistant coaches might go to jail for vehicular manslaughter or endangerment or like he's in he's in incredibly incredibly deep trouble and as somebody who has had experience um in my own uh, uh family and friend circle with stuff exactly like this he's going to jail jail Let's just say it right now. Like, um, there's no way and, yeah, he escapes right. this, especially with his history. No, but you, but to go back to the way that that it was talked about, I really do feel like it was soft feet on on this entire subject. Like, you know, Romo and Nance weren't out there saying, you know, Andy Reid with the, his son's freedom on his mind. Can he coach today? Um, that that wasn't the case at all. Yeah, but and are so, you allowed to say that when they haven't gotten the toxicology reports back? He hasn't been arrested. I, it, it's one of those things where you have to headline, even if you know you have an idea of what it is, I don't think that you can headline it that way until, like journalistically, until there is, like on a blog you can't, but on TMZ you can, but not on, you know, a credible on CBS, you can't, I don't think. Yeah, I think you probably talk about it in that way, though, of like there are so many unknowns here, um, including the life of a five-year-old girl hanging in the balance. Um, and, you know, but then again, it's a football game. So, you know, maybe people don't want to hear about it or maybe it doesn't fit into, into what's going on. I, I just didn't feel like, I felt like for somebody like me, really tries to pay attention to the details of everything and keep track of all this stuff so that we can do this show. And then just, that's how I operate um, traditionally anyway, for me to wake up this morning, two, three days after the fact, surprised uh, thinking this entire time that it was actually Britt Reed's kid. Um, you know, then I talked to you about it and you said it, that was your initial uh, impression of the reporting that you had heard as well. It just made me think like that this was treated in a very, interesting and peculiar way that I think yeah. has given some people pause. Yeah. Cause the, the, the headline was, Oh, Kansas city chiefs coach injured. Cause, cause he's in the hospital too. Um, and they say he's going to be there for days. Uh, Kansas city chiefs outside linebackers coach, Britt Reed injured along with five-year-old child in, in accident. Like that was the headline. So yeah. Um, I, you, uh, missed the Calvin Johnson to the hall of fame talk. I watched, I was watching. I, I apologize. I pay all this money for, uh, for, for the internet and they just don't want to let me live. I'm trying to figure out what it is today. It was talking negatively about charter schools or, or what I gotta, I gotta watch what I say. Cause these, these internet hey, police are feds might be taping. All right. The, the last thing we got up is, is, um, there was a couple pieces of baseball news. Uh, number one, Trevor Bauer, he left the Cincinnati Reds, went to the Dodgers. Everybody, th well, not everybody, but a lot of people thought he was going to the, to the Mets. 
He broke Mets fans' hearts. And in this video, he released a YouTube video to announce his, you know, his destination, his new home. And Mets fans were mad because in the very beginning of the video, you see a Mets jersey. And I think they were like, yes, yes. And then it was like, nah, nah, man. Boys in blue. Boys in blue. Dodger blue, baby. I, uh, did you read his apology on Twitter? No, because it, it, okay. it was not necessary. I didn't want to okay. get annoyed when people apologize when they don't need to apologize. He chose okay. a destiny. That's like LeBron James apologizing yes. for the uh, for the decision. No, I'm not apologizing for that. I made a decision. I made a video. Sorry it hurt your feelings. Grow a pair. Okay, but you remember when LeBron went back to Cleveland and he ran it through Sports Illustrated? Yeah. Was it Jenkins of SI? So basically what Trevor Bauer is saying happened here is he has a team web developers, social media, everything like that. He said on the day of the decision, he had stayed off social media and he hadn't even made his mind up yet. And I think he's trying to decide between the Mets and the Dodgers. And what ultimately ended up happening was his staff built out like a page on his website of him going to probably both destinations, but the yeah. Mets, which he did not choose. And it would basically be like Lee Jenkins writing two articles for Sports Illustrated. Like one, I'm staying Miami two. I'm going back to Cleveland, and then the the wrong one accidentally gets released, and so Mets fans are upset based on something that kind of happened accidentally on the technical end that Trevor Bauer didn't really have a whole lot to do with, and I think that maybe his apology wasn't necessary, but I think that it it does look good on him to at least explain how something like that happens, because I've I've gotten stories tipped. Uh, because of something that I uploaded to my website to schedule to release. Um, and then I accidentally published it instead of scheduling it to release on time. And then I've also gotten scoops myself, especially with the uh, um, AAF, the football league that folded last year after, uh, after like eight, nine weeks. Yeah. I was tracking the domain registrars uh, to see what the team names were going to be. And I was able to find out a few of them beforehand because they weren't super private with the stuff that they were trying to do. Um, and that was kind of fun as well. So I understand people thinking they stumbled onto something where they said like, Oh, he's definitely picked the Mets. Um, but it was an accident. And I don't think, I don't think he should feel bad. And I don't think he does. I think he's good at bringing heat and taking heat. Um, but yeah, I, I just, but Rich get richer. I'm not excited about him being on the Dodgers. I don't think it's good for baseball. I think it's stupid. I love it. I think it's great for baseball. It is. It, this is $243 million plus, plus Justin Turner. So they're going to be over $250 million in payroll. Um, the issue is that the, what is it? The Pirates, the Reds, and the Marlins, I think it is. They have payrolls under $40 million. So, one man is going to make more than three complete teams are going to pay. That's the problem in baseball. It's not what the Dodgers are doing. It's that you have the Cubs tanking. You have the uh, having a fire sale on their players. Same thing with the, the Tampa Bay Rays who were just in the World Series. That, that's the problem. It's not what the Dodgers are doing. The Dodgers are doing the right thing. Um, it, they're doing what's allowable. 
so I guess in that way, it's not their problem. But you wouldn't rather have uh, salary parameters like in the NFL or NBA? I would rather have a salary floor, but not a salary cap. You can you can spend whatever so you, would you, take, you want, but there's a floor. So would you would you take the idea of a soft cap away from basketball? Yes. Yes, because LeBron James. I don't like that. LeBron James, who's the best player in the league, right? Kevin Durant, who's one of the best. I mean, like, we're, we're talking about special talents that if you put them on any team, that they're instantly going to the playoffs at least, right? There's, what, two guys in the whole league that are like that? Well, and Giannis, too. If you put them on any team in the league, they're going to the playoffs, pr- pr- provided they have any semblance of, like, like, if you put them with Bill, I mean, a C coach, they're going to make the playoffs. You just can't put them with a D or F coach. But, okay, that they're going to make the, make the playoffs. Those guys should not be in the same salary stratosphere as Tobias Harris, as Chris Middleton, as even Paul George. Like, there should be a different tier for those three guys, and even Steph Curry, too. For well, the market, the marketplace takes care of that tier, right? That's where you see the separation. No, James Harden okay. gets two hundred million from Adidas, but Tobias Harris isn't getting two hundred million from Adidas. Yeah, but the, for their actual job, you should get paid more if you're better at your job. If you are like nobody's coming to come see Chris, nobody's buying a ticket saying, "Oh yeah, let me go watch Chris Middleton play. Let me go watch Kyle Lowry play." Those men have families. Come on now. Well, aside from people who's, but but then they're they're buying the tickets for them. So so yeah. So nobody says that. But people like, <laughs> but the people who drive the revenue should be the highest people paid, and not yeah. be clumped in with everybody else. Where where uh, LeBron James is making like two more million than than Tobias or Middleton or whoever. No, it should not be like that. Okay, well, the reason that we bring it up, and I want to, I want to talk about two things here. One, Nolan Arenado. Um, the Rockies, basically, they, they can't get along with him. They said they were going to build around him, but they're not spending the money to do it. Uh, so Nolan Arenado feels misled, even though he got a bunch of money from the Rockies to be their franchise player. He wants to win. He wants those promises to be fulfilled, and in his, his mind, they're not. So the Rockies had to find a suitor, and they end up going to the San Louis Cardinals, which are one of the Habs baseball. Yeah. Um, and the same thing happened with the Arizona Diamondbacks two years ago, not being able to afford Paul Goldschmidt income, the St. Louis Cardinals um, to, to, to build up what they've got going on. And the same thing happened uh, uh, over a decade ago when the Rockies couldn't afford Larry Walker and oh, well, income the St. Louis Cardinals and well, win a world and, series. And, and mind you, the Cardinals have had DJ LeMahieu, Le, Le Trevor Story at shortstop. Like they had a- oh, the Rockies, the Rockies, yeah. yeah. And they got rid of Troy Tulowitzki as yep. well. Um, but the Nolan Arenado thing, I mean, he's a he's a superstar. People in Denver absolutely loved him. So for him to be disgruntled, that's and then for him to end up in St. Louis, it just is. If you're a baseball fan in any city than like six you have to be super depressed because not only did the rockies have to get rid of nolan arenado 
his contract was also structured in that they had to pay him $50 million to go play for someone else. $50 million <laughs> sent to the Cardinals. So, like, that's the part that's insane to me. You're going to spend $50 million to get rid of Nolan Arenado instead of paying his salary. Hell no, dude. Hell no. I'm not giving you a damn red nickel if I'm giving you the And mind you, they only got like middle tier prospects back. It's not, it's, it's not I, like they got yeah. guys that no. are going to be dudes. So it's frustrating because so I'm, I'm, I'm a big uh, baseball fan, and then I'm out here rooting for the Diamondbacks in the NL West. And they already for gave up what? on Paul Goldschmidt. And now, <laughs> for what? Come on now. There's such a thing as regional alliances. I know you don't believe in them. And I know it makes your life a lot easier. But most fans, that's how they operate. What are you talking about? I'm most Dodgers, Lakers. That's regional as you get. Dodgers, Lakers, Warriors, wherever Pat Mahomes is. Like it. <laughs> come on now. Uh, so, but here, here's the thing. Um, some of these baseball teams are actually, I think, in a little bit of trouble. Uh, I actually listened to Bill Maher talk with Jimmy Kimmel about the fact that the New York Mets, before they sold the team to Steve Cohen, um, were calling in capital uh, from all of the ownership group to make it through the pandemic. And Bill Maher told Jimmy Kimmel, who uh, at one time he had, he had uh, uh, told Jimmy Kimmel not to invest in the Las Vegas Golden Knights or something like that. Jimmy Kimmel was um, was asked to buy 1% of the Las Vegas, Gold, Las Vegas Golden Knights, and Bill Maher told him not to do it because it was hockey. Um, and then Las Vegas Golden Knights end up going to the Stanley Cup in their first year. Uh, but Jimmy Kimmel's asking him these questions of like, what what was it like this last year owning your percentage of the Mets? And Bill Maher said he spent the whole year writing checks to the organization. So that's what a lot of these, um, a, a lot of these pro sports franchises have been in a little bit of trouble. We're not hearing about what's happening. Not, not 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 football, not football, not right, not football. But Bill Maher also said that when Steve Cohen bought the team, he ended up making out. He I think his words were he made out like a bandit that he was right, that investing in the Mets was one of the best things he's ever done, and he got paid, paid. But in the meantime, for all of 2020, he said it was just a massive drain on his bank account, and I wonder how many teams and owners and ownership groups are having to go through some of the same things. Down here in Arizona, Larry Fitzgerald is uh, is actually a minority owner of the Phoenix Suns, and people keep asking him if he's going to come and play uh, play another year next year, and I would assume that if he does, it might have something to do with the fact that he's a minority <laughs> owner in a sports franchise, and he might be playing for free. Dude, so you know, no, I, I'm, man, I would the, be really interested to hear what's happening behind the scenes for some of these pro sports franchises. Uh, I, I would say that that's true for baseball, but I'm but I know the NBA teams are doing pretty good too, like per, particularly I, and. I know that that may not be the same for like the Milwaukee Timberwolves and stuff like that, but the uh, but the uh, Suns, they should be in decent shape because they are you know they are tolerable to watch now. They are, but they um, still they fur furloughed everybody and they're not yeah. you know not paying they're cutting staff and and so you, you I don't know I, what I wonder is if some of these capital calls are are for some of these owners who decided to pay staff. I wonder if that's what the money's going to. If they're just trying to meet payroll by having these owners pay in, 
um, because they're not uh, they're not able to do it out of attendance and yeah. uh, um, concession money. But but as soon as fans are back in the stands, the Golden Goose will start laying eggs again, buddy. <laughs> they will start laying eggs. Don't don't you worry. It will all be back. And then if push comes to shove, you can sell the damn thing for 10x what you bought it for. 50x, depending on how much you paid for it. That And that's true. That that has to be the weird thing for a lot of these people who are in minority ownership positions or even a majority ownership positions is you're watching the value of your investment go up 10x. But you might be you might be broke as a joke trying to keep it up and running. So the only way out from under all of it is to sell to somebody who who has more money than you. And, yep. you know. That's that that might be what that might ultimately be what happened with the Mets. Yep, that's absolutely uh, it. Um, I think that's it today. Um, oh, so did you did you tell you I, I don't know if you told your story about freaking out at a Costco. I was, oh, I was no, no, excited no, to hear. I, I will tell that on Save Wednesday. It? Yeah, I'm going to tell it on okay. Wednesday. I went full Karen at Costco. Oh, and we wanted to give some love to to Pedro Gomez. Uh, ESPN reporter, baseball reporter who passed away. I didn't see of what, but it was unexpected. Everybody, I mean, his, his energy, his spirit, you could feel it through the TV and all of that. So, and everybody who had experiences with him had nothing but good things to say about him. So I want to give him, his family, some love and all of that as well. Yeah, he's an Arizona resident. Most people remember him because he was on the Bonds beat during the chase. Yeah. Um, like that's really when he made his name, but he was out here. He was a newspaper man before he went to, uh, before he went to ESPN and he was just so good at covering baseball. Then he was knowledgeable on all topics. He was helpful to everybody. I got some friends out here who served as, as kind of a mentor too. And they're just, they're absolutely devastated today. I feel weird because today's like the first day in my entire recollection of sports memory without Pedro Gomez. Like yep. I and I I don't know how I feel about that sports without him, um, it's gonna be a little less smooth, a little less professional, and a, a huge hole, huge hole in the industry with him gone for sure. Yep. Um. And I also want to give some love to I I know that a lot of people found a lot of humor in it, but to the Gorilla Glue girl that dude because she she screwed up. She was using a product that was called like gotta be glue or better than glue or got got to be glue. Yeah, that's what it is. And I didn't even know Gorilla Glue came in a damn spray can, but she apparently had some and she glued her damn hair down. And yeah, it, it's not been fun to watch, but I can't. I followed her on Instagram, everything, because I need the updates at all times. And yeah, I've been. I I showed Aaron. Uh, uh, my wife, I showed her, and it was just like, like the first thing is, how does something like this happen? And then the second thing was, wow, they really make Gorilla Glue spray. Yep. Why do they make Why do they make Gorilla Glue spray? Is the question. That's a legitimate question. Um, thank you guys for listening to Reister or Wrong. I'm George Reister. He is Ralph Amsden. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you download the podcast, share it with a friend, all that. Peace out. Catch you next episode.